Hi, well, good morning, everybody. As you can see, today's service is brought to you by Subaru. So that's exciting. I'm glad to have that. No, that's, uh, that's great to see you guys this morning. And man, just again, congratulations to Megan, who got baptized. Can we just give her another round of applause? That was awesome. And um, just cool. Amazing to see how God is transforming lives of so many people within our church, but especially just seeing and celebrating with Megan. That is so awesome. I do just want to mention, too, what Megan did uh, here today is a declaration, an outward declaration of her faith in Christ. And I would just encourage you, if you're a person who is part of our church, and maybe for you, you recently have uh, kind of made a decision to follow Jesus, you've made that commitment, and you have not yet been baptized, I would really encourage you to take that next step. Uh, according to Scripture, that is your first step of obedience, is uh, once, you, once you declare your life Jesus is and you call him the king of your life, uh, the way that you declare that outwardly is by being baptized. And so if you'd like to get more information about that, uh, you can actually fill out a connection card um, that is available for you on our website, or you can talk to someone at the info desk, and we'd love to kind of get you set up that way with that. That's really awesome. Uh, but today, I, I do want to tell you I'm really excited because we are starting a brand new series uh, that is called Activated Followers of the Way. And for the next several weeks, what we're going to be doing together is we're actually going to be studying this incredible book, the book of Acts. And so I'm really, really excited about the next several weeks that we have uh, together. We've been spending a lot of time preparing for this series, and so I'm just really excited about what God might be able to do kind of in and through this uh, time together. But I do want to just say that if you are someone who's new to Grace, if you're new to the Medina East Campus, maybe it's your first time here, or maybe it's your first time back in a while, or maybe you're joining us on live stream right now, if you're joining us that way, I am especially glad that you're here. And I'll tell you why. It's because we often say this, the beginning of a new series is probably the best opportunity to get connected to Grace. Uh, you're catching us at the start of a conversation. We're going to be in the next several weeks. And so my encouragement would be to you that if you're trying to figure out if this, if this church is for you, if you're trying to figure out uh, if, uh, if this is a place that you can call home and you're trying to invent, maybe even you're, you're investigating Christianity, if that's where you're at with the whole thing, I would actually encourage you maybe to consider locking in for the duration of this series. I think that would give you a chance to get to know us. It would hopefully give you a chance to learn the book of Acts, and then it would also give, hopefully, you a chance to get to know some other people, some other people who are part of our church, which we think is really, really important. So uh, before we start this journey in Acts, I actually wanted to take this week uh, to really just do one thing, and that is I wanted to kind of just use this as an introduction week, okay? So I thought this actually might be good before we set off in this journey going through the book of Acts together, if I just sort of introduced you to the book of Acts and then introduced you to the series. So how are we going to approach this series? What's the plan? And then what are some ways that you can engage in this series and, and, and to get connected to it? So what I want to do today is an introduction. And by way of introduction, I simply want to answer three questions today. So here's the three questions, very, very simply. I want to answer what is the book of Acts? Okay, what is the book of Acts? And uh, maybe you're a person who has read the book of Acts, maybe you're a person who has never even read the Bible, or maybe you're a person who's kind of briefly, you know, kind of uh, vaguely familiar with it. But I just want to talk about what exactly is the book of Acts. And the second question is why study it? Why study it, right? So, okay, we're going to go through the book of Acts, but what does that have to do with me? Uh, why would that be relevant? Why would that be beneficial? Why would that be something that would be a good use of my time over the next several weeks to look together and to study the book of Acts? And then the last one is just simply this, why now? Why now? Is there a reason why we decided that this was the time that we wanted to, to spend some several weeks looking at the book of Acts? What was it that motivated that 
decision. All right, so my hope is just to uh, shed some light on those three questions, and hopefully that will pave the way for the next several weeks that we have. And so I, I do want to just say this. The first question, what is the book of Acts, I think is actually the most critical question, which actually, I think when you gain clarity on that, it will help answer the last two questions. And so we'll spend most of our time trying to kind of answer that question. What exactly is the book of Acts? Okay, so what is the book of Acts? What is the book of Acts? Okay, well, I think maybe the most, this is gonna sound really simple, but I think the best starting place is for me to just say this to you. The book of Acts is a book in the Bible, all right? Now, again, I know that sounds simple, but the reason I say that is because um, we, we actually talk about this quite a bit here at Grace, is that sometimes we can think that the Bible is one book. We can just think, oh, the Bible, it's just one book. And to some extent, that's actually correct, because the Bible is telling one continuous story. It's telling one, it's kind of one, um, it's one uh, story that's, that, that, that's united in, in kind of its approach. However, at the same time, the Bible is actually not one book because it's actually 66 different manuscripts throughout different times and places in history written by different authors that is compiled together that tells one unified story. So the book of Acts is one of those. It's one of the 66 books that you're gonna find in your Bible. The book of Acts is found in the New Testament of the Bible. Some of you might know this. Your Bible is cut into two parts. There's what's called the Old Testament, which is all of the things that happened before Jesus Christ was born and before uh, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then you have the New Testament, which is all that happened after those things. And the book of Acts takes place right after, right after the accounts of Jesus. So in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those all tell about the story and the life of Jesus, about his death and his resurrection. And right after that, comes the book of Acts, comes the book of Acts. Now, let me just say, as much as I could tell you about the background of the book of Acts, which there is so much we could say about the background of Acts, and there's so much that we will say in the weeks to come, there is one critical aspect of the book of Acts that I just want you to get a hold of today. And I think this actually makes so much sense of the book of Acts, and it will help you see that the book of Acts is both unbelievably important and it's unbelievably unique. So, so if I could even put it this way, there is no other book in your Bible that is like the book of Acts. It is totally unique. And what makes it so unique is, I think what, what, what I wanna talk about here today is what sets it apart from everything else is that, is that it is just unbelievably unique and unbelievably important. In fact, if I could even say it this way, I might even go as far to say this. I think that if we did not have the book of Acts in our Bible, our Bible wouldn't make sense. The Bible would be very disjointed. It wouldn't make sense. I actually would even go further. I would say this, if we didn't have the book of Acts, Modern-day Christianity wouldn't make sense. Modern-day Christianity would be totally confusing if we didn't have the book of Acts. So what makes it so unique? What is it that sets it apart and makes it so important? All right, well, to try to illustrate this, I, thought, I actually thought it might be kind of fun. I'm gonna ask for a little bit of participation from you guys. I thought it might be helpful for us to maybe do a little movie term trivia, all right? So this is a way to help us illustrate how important the book of Acts is. So it's a movie term trivia. So we all love movies, right? We all do. Uh, some uh, great summer blockbusters this summer came out. Hopefully you guys got a chance to see some of those. Top Gun Maverick, definitely the best. And, um, but let's just do a little movie term to see how well you know your movie terms. So um, I'm gonna start easy and then we're gonna get a little bit more, a little harder. So here, here's the first one. What do you call a movie that continues or expands upon the story of an earlier film? What's that called? Correct, that is called a sequel. We all know that one. So a sequel is what comes after 
uh, a movie that was established. Uh, interesting follow-up question. I don't know if you guys know this. The first sequel in uh, film history was in 1916. It was the first sequel. But do you guys know in film history, what was the first movie that was released that had a planned sequel? Does anyone know what that was? Anybody? Yeah, I heard someone say it. Star Wars. That's correct. So in 1977, when the original, uh, well, I guess the uh, episode four, I don't even know how to say it. Uh, when that came out, it actually was, was planned to be a trilogy from the beginning. All right, here's the next one. You guys ready? Movie term trivia. What do you call a movie that contains events that precede that of an existing film? So it comes before it. Prequel, correct. Yeah, it's called a prequel, uh, which once again, I think the prequel was probably made popular by... Star Wars, right? So Star Wars did that in 1999 or 98 is when episode, uh, episode one came out. That's kind of, okay, next one. It's getting a little more, it's going to get a little harder. You guys ready for this? What is the technical term for a spinoff movie? Okay, so you guys know what a spinoff is? It's like there's the main movie and there's some side characters and then the side characters get their own movie. They call it a spinoff. So a good example would be like the Penguins of Madagascar. If you guys have ever seen that. So Madagascar was the movie. Penguins of Madagascar was the spinoff. Do you guys know what the technical name for a spinoff is? Anybody? Anybody? No, not a spinoff. <laughs> the, technical, the technical name for a spinoff. Get this. It's called a side quill. Do you know that? I had, I, that's, I'm not making this up. So you have, a, you have a prequel, a sequel, a side quill. Right, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more. Here we go. What do you call a movie that contains events that run parallel to a previously existing film. So not a prequel, not a sequel. It's happening at the same time in the same movie universe. But it, yeah, paraquel, exactly. You got it. So it's called a paraquel or a parallel sequel. So they actually would say that all of the Marvel movies that lead up to Avengers, those are called paraquels because they're all running along kind of the same thing. So are you guys confused yet? All right, so check it out. You have a sequel, a prequel, a sidequel, and a paraquel. And then get this, I was doing some further study. There's also something called a midquill, a circumquill, an inquill, a dayquill, and a nightquill. There's quills all over the place. And I, 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 I gotta be honest with you. This is, this is to my own embarrassment. I have to admit to you, I probably spent half an hour to 45 minutes this week studying this. And I, I could not figure out what, the, I, I was going to try to explain those. I don't even know what they are exactly. But here, here's the, some of you are like, what are you, what's the point you're trying to make? Here's the point I'm trying to make. We have all of these words, we have all of these terms in film and in literature and storytelling that are all there that are helped to orient us and establish us to the bigger and to the greater story, right? So all of these kind of are, are intended to help us orient ourselves to the bigger story that is being told. So what does it have to do with the book of Acts? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the book of Acts. Because the Bible is telling us one united story about God and about us and about what he's doing on this earth. So the question is, what is Acts? Where does Acts fall in that story? How are we to approach and how are we to understand the book of Acts? And this is what I think we're going to see in the first two verses of the book of Acts. If you've got your Bible, I want you to take it, I want you to open it with me. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. So if you brought your own Bible, feel free to grab those. If you have a, a Bible app on your phone, feel free to open that up. Um, and then if you want to use one of the Bibles under the chairs, they're there. Acts chapter 1 is found on page 882. And those Bibles, I would encourage you to do that. And let me just say, and we say this all the time, if you do not own a physical copy of the Bible, we would love for you to have one. So you can just take one of the ones that are under the chairs, take it home, make it a gift from us to you. We'd love for you to take that home and maybe even read the book of Acts. That might be a really good thing. So Acts 1, page 882. 
Now, as you're locating the book of Acts, before we even read a single word, I actually want to start by asking you to consider with me for a moment the title itself. So the book of Acts is called Acts. It's called Acts. Or if you, maybe you brought your own Bible, it might actually say the Acts. That's what it might say in your title. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this before. Maybe for you, you've never even read this book, and that's fine. But maybe, maybe for you, you have. Have you ever thought about this before? Why is it called that? Why is the book of Acts called Acts? Or maybe, uh, maybe a more fitting question would be this. Whose Acts are they? So the book of Acts is called Acts because in it you see a lot of activity. You see a lot of actions that are happening. There's a lot of things that are happening. But the question is, who is the primary character or who is the primary actor? Not in the sense of a fictitious movie, but in the sense of who's the one who's like actually doing the actions? Who is the primary actor whose who's, 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 who's activity it is? And when you read the book of Acts, like if you were to go away this week and read the book of Acts, you would be inclined to think, at least at first glance, that probably what, you, what you're seeing is that the book of Acts is the actions of the early church. It's the actions of the first Christians. It's the actions of the apostles, the Acts of the Apostles. Which, by the way, you'd be correct in saying that. Because what do you see in the book of Acts? Well, what you see is you see the disciples of Jesus, his followers, his apostles. You see them doing a lot of stuff in the book of Acts. So if you were just to open it up and start, start to read... Uh, you would, for example, see uh, Peter. Who is Peter? Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And in Acts, what's he doing? Oh, he's doing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of actions. Peter's preaching sermons. Peter is healing people. You're going to see some crazy stuff in the book of Acts. What's Peter doing? Peter's planting churches. You're going to see John. Who's John? John was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. What's he going to be doing? The same stuff Peter's doing. He's going to be preaching. He's going to be arrested because of his faith and his proclamation of who Christ is. You're going to see Paul. Who's Paul? He's an apostle. And what's he doing? All kinds of stuff in Acts. Paul is traveling all over the ancient world. He's planting churches. He's preaching to people. And so a lot of people historically would say, well, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, which, by the way, is correct. However, what's interesting is that Bible scholars later came around and they said, you know what? If you were to actually appropriately name the book of Acts, it would be better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason they said that is because for sure, you're gonna see Peter and John and Paul and these disciples, they're doing activities. But if you wanna talk about who is the primary character, who is the primary actor who's performing the actions and acts, Bible scholars would say, well, actually it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 times in the book of Acts. That is more than any other book of the Bible. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is the one who is empowering Peter. He is the one who's leading Paul. He is the one who's giving courage. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is working through his people to do these things. And so because of that, many scholars said a more appropriate title would actually be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And here's the point that I'm trying to make is is that I think that there's legitimacy to, to any of these titles. But what I want to show you is that I actually think that there's even a better title that you could give the book of Acts. I think there's actually a better title. If you think about who is the primary character, who is the primary one who is performing the actions, I think, there's a, I think you're actually going to see it right in the first couple verses of Acts. So let me show you. Let's start in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how the book of Acts begins. It starts off and it says, In my former book, Theophilus, 
But some of you might be like, ah, what is that talking about? We'll come back to that in a minute. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that. Now, this is the key. I, I, I wrote about all that. Say it with me. Jesus, the Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to his apostles that he had chosen. So I want you to notice right from the first couple of verses, this is telling us something about the book of Acts. And what does he say? What does the author say here? He says, in my former book, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. He says, in my former book, I started to tell you about all that Jesus, now look what he says, began to do and teach, began to do and teach. Now, what's interesting is that commentators will come along and they'll say that little phrase, begin to do and teach, is used in such a way that it implies that Jesus is still active. In other words, what it implies is that this is a continuation. It is a continuation of something that Jesus has already started. How are we to understand the book of Acts? I think we have some clues that are right here in front of us. Notice again what he says. In my former book, Theophilus. Now, I think um, at first glance, that probably causes us, if you're, you know, if you're engaged in, in, in the text, I think it causes you to ask three questions. The first question is, who's writing this? The second question is, what was his former book? And the third question is, who is Theophilus? That's a strange name. Who is Theophilus? And uh, let me just give you the quick answer to those three questions. The author is actually a guy named Luke. Uh, Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And he also was a follower of Jesus in the first century. He's the one who's writing this. What was his former book? His former book that Luke wrote was um, called Luke. It's called Luke. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What was Luke all about? It's all about Jesus. It's about his birth. It was about his life. It was about his ministry. It was about his death. It was about his resurrection. That's what Luke was all about. Who is Theophilus? So we don't really actually know a whole lot about Theophilus, but here's what we do know. Theophilus was the same recipient of the gospel of Luke. So what do you see in Luke and Acts? Here's what's so helpful. If you want to understand what Acts is, you need to understand this, that Luke and Acts were intended to be taken as two volumes. Volume one was Luke and volume two was Acts. And what was Luke all about? We just said it. It was all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. So what is Acts then? Now, this is where I think this is clarifying. This is, to me, I think this is a very, very helpful way to understand Acts. Acts is a sequel. Acts is a continuation. Or I could put it this way, Acts is Jesus part two. That's what it is. What is Luke? It's all that Jesus began to do and teach before he resurrected and he ascended. So what's Acts? It's all that Jesus is going to do now after he has resurrected and he has ascended. That's what it is. You guys remember I told you earlier that the Holy Spirit was mentioned 56 times in the book of Acts. Do you guys know how many times Jesus is mentioned in the book of Acts? 68 times, 68 times. So, so as we begin this series, here's what I want you to understand. I want, you to, I want to make this clear, that the primary actor, not in the sense of a fictitious movie, but from the standpoint of a history-spanning redemptive story, is the risen Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what's the best title for Acts then? What is the best title? Is it these things? Well, I think these are good, but I could actually, I think I could actually pose a better title for the book of Acts. John Stott said it very well. He's a commentator. He said this, the most accurate title, which does justice to Luke's own statement in verses one and two, should be something like this. 
the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his apostles. So if you guys got your Bibles, go ahead and cross out Acts and just write that in. Don't, don't actually do that. You don't have to do that. But so, some of you might, might be saying, okay, uh, that's fine. Call, you can title it however you want to title it, but who cares? What, whatever. What, why is that important? My hope is that you see why this is important. Because what this is telling us is it's showing us that Jesus, that Jesus is continuing his work after his resurrection and his ascension. The book of Acts is not just trying to tell us something that happened in the first century. It is but it's actually trying to orient us to our part in the story. How is it that Jesus is continuing to work on this earth? If it's true that he is raised from the dead, then how is it that he is continuing to work on this earth and how does he want to do that? Acts is going to orient us to those things. See, here's what I want you to understand. Acts is not a spinoff. It's not a side quill, okay? It's not like, Luke was all about Jesus, and then Acts, you know, Jesus is a distant character who's off in a different universe, and now Acts is all about the Holy Spirit. That's not what it is. Acts is not a new story. It's not like a brand new plot and a whole new, it, it, is, it is a continuation of what Jesus began to do here on this earth. And what's interesting is the Bible's gonna tell us that this is everything that Jesus has done now after he was taken up to heaven. So Acts is going to be everything that happened after this moment. Now, some of you might be saying, what does that mean that Jesus was taken up to heaven? What is that talking about? What that's referring to is actually something that we're going to find in weeks to come. It's something that's called the ascension. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this before, but basically what the Bible is going to tell us is that Jesus died, that three days later, he rose from the dead, that bodily, physically, and historically, Jesus rose from the dead. And then the Bible's gonna say that after he rose from the dead, he spent about a 40-day period of time interacting with his disciples, appearing to multiple witnesses. The Bible's gonna say on one occasion, he appeared to over 500 people at one time in his resurrected state. And after a 40-day period of time, the Bible's gonna say that he ascended into heaven. Now, what exactly happened at the ascension? What happened? What, what happened in that moment? Was it that Jesus, is that, is that when Jesus left and said, I'm done here on earth, and I'm gonna go rest for a while in heaven, and I'm gonna go tag the Holy Spirit, tag your it, you go in there now, and I'm gonna, I'll come back later. Is that what happened at the ascension? And, and what I want you to understand is what, what, the, what the book of Acts is gonna tell us. It's gonna say, no, that's not what happened at all. When Jesus ascended, the reason that he ascended is not to fit, wasn't so that he could finish his work on, on earth. It was so that he could continue his work on earth. You see, there, there is so many things that were not possible had Jesus not ascended. Jesus Christ himself said this. He said, it's better that I go, that I ascend, because if I go, I can send my spirit to you. What's Luke all about? Luke is all about the ministry that Jesus did in his body while he was on this earth. What's Acts about? It's about all that Jesus continues to do through his body the church, his people, through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so I think it's really important that we sort of understand that. The ascension doesn't mean that Jesus is no longer here. The ascension means that Jesus is here all over, that he is all over, and that he is able to be so through the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. So that leads to the second question. So why study the book of Acts? Why take the time to study this? Well, my hope is, man, if you're tracking with what we're talking about so far, if you're actually tracking with what Luke is saying, my hope is that you're starting to piece together that the implications of what we're saying 
are actually very, very deep and are very far-reaching. So why study the book of Acts? Well, I think it has massive implications. And so, for example, I think what the book of Acts is trying to tell us is that Jesus Christ is alive, that just like he said that he would raise from the dead, and that that's not some fictitious story, but that is a reality, and that Jesus Christ is alive. You guys, I don't think it's an exaggeration. If you're someone who's investigating Christianity, I'm so glad you're here. And I'll be honest with you, we count it, we, we always say this, we count it such an honor and a privilege that you would let us be part of your investigation. But I don't think it's an exaggeration for me to say this. I think the first two verses in the book of Acts are part of what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. And why is that? Well, other religions regard their founder as having completed their ministry during their lifetime. But Luke and Acts reveals to us that Jesus only started his. He just began his, but he is alive. He is still alive. And he is continuing to complete it through the power of his Holy Spirit to this very day. And so what does it tell us? Jesus is alive. And because of that, what it also, one of the implications is it also means that Jesus is still active, that he's still doing stuff, that he is still working on this earth and that he's still involved. I think that's really, really important. You guys think what this tells us is that according to Luke and Acts, Jesus is both the historical Jesus who lived, but he's also the contemporary Jesus who lives. So he's not a retired CEO, right? Jesus wasn't like, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna retire and go down to Florida. I'm gonna leave you all in Ohio with the Holy Spirit until I come back. That's not how it played out. He's very involved and he is the living leader of his church and he is acutely aware of what's happening in your life. You guys, you know what that means? It means that Jesus wants to be active in your life, that he has things to say about how you live. He has things to say about the desires that he wants for you. That's what it means. And because of that, what does that mean? It means that you can know him and you can follow him. You can actually know and follow Jesus. This is not, Christianity is not us celebrating a set of principles that were propagated by a dead leader. Christianity is rather centered around a living person who is raised from the dead who you can know and you can follow. Prayer makes all the sense in the world when we understand this. I think what this tells us is that Jesus' church is not a museum or maybe even better, a mausoleum to preserve the memory of its departed founder. Nor is it, this is so critical, nor is the church an institution that's free to chart its own course. We don't get to decide what we do and what we don't do. That's not our decision. Not if Jesus is truly the leader of his church. But instead, we're a people who are under his authority and commissioned to radiate his life to the world that we live in. And so I think what this is telling us is that Acts is trying to show us Jesus is still actively involved in our lives and in his church, and he wants to be. And so because of that, I think what this helps us understand is that we should be people who diligently and deeply care about what Jesus desires for us. So that's why. But not the third question is this. Well, why now? Why now? So uh, by the way, I think that studying Acts at any time is, is definitely gonna be something beneficial. Just like any book in the Bible, there's always value into digging into God's word. But why do we think that studying Acts right now is the best thing that we can do as a church? What, what was it that was prompting that decision for us to say, we should probably go through Acts for the next several weeks? Look, let me kind of let you in on that a little bit. So over the past several months, 
I've actually been working with a team of people here at Grace, uh, and one of the things we've been doing is we've been preparing for a lot of things that are coming this year. So we've been doing a lot of preparation, a lot of praying for what is coming in 2023. And as we've been doing that, uh, me and a team of people have been doing a ton of research. And part of the research that we've been doing is we've been trying to figure out what has happened in our culture over the past couple of years and what has happened in the church over, and I don't just mean our church, I mean the church, like the church in America, what has happened. I think all of us can feel there's been some pretty seismic shifts that have taken place in our culture and there's been some pretty seismic shifts that have happened in the church, but what are those exactly and how are we to understand that? So I've been working with the research team We've been reading a ton of different articles, and one of the articles we read uh, about a year ago or so, I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to share this with you. Uh, It was an article that was written by a guy named Ed Stetzer. So Ed Stetzer is what they call a missiologist. You don't need to remember that, but a missiologist basically studies cultural trends on a national level, and they also study church trends. And so he pointed out something I thought was really interesting, and this is what he, he said. He called it the great sort. So what's happened in the church over the past couple of years in our country, he would say one of the things that's happened is what he calls the great sort. Now, what is that? Here's what he says. He says, I predict that the attendance numbers that we have seen in 2020 and still see in many cases in 2021 will return to normal in 2022. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about churches. And he's saying that in 2020 and in 2021, the attendance in churches dropped dramatically for obvious reasons. And then churches started to regather over the, over the period of time. And he's predicting, he wrote this in 2021, that churches would probably level back up in their attendance in 2022, which, by the way, is pretty accurate. And then he says this. He said, however, there's one major caveat. It's what he calls the great sort. The great sort took place in 2021, but not because of the pandemic, but because of social and cultural concerns. Huge numbers of people have moved from church to church for reasons only tangentially related to the pandemic. So you're like, what's that? What's he talking about? Well, for example, some people left their church because the church wore masks. Others left their churches because their church did not wear masks. They sorted themselves into churches that followed their view of masking. Some people left churches because they heard the name George Floyd. Others because they did not hear his name. Some people left churches because the Sunday after the U.S. presidential election, the pastor prayed for former Vice President Joe Biden. Others left churches because the pastor didn't pray for President Biden. This is, a heart, this is heartbreaking on many realities, but certainly one of the more lamentable realities is that people left their church, left their church, churches that they had been members at for years or even decades over either a minor disagreement or major political differences. The great sort has affected churches of all sizes. While I believe that attendance numbers will normalize over the next year or so, once the dust settles, a major reshuffling of people between churches will result. So what's he saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that over the past couple of years, there's been this amazing shuffling that has has taken place within churches. And what he would say is that a lot of followers of Jesus are reorganizing themselves, not even based on theological convictions, as much as societal concerns and political issues, beginning to to, to sort in those ways. He actually goes on in his article, and he says that the average church in America, he believes, will actually kind of churn in a third, a third, and a third. So he's going to say there's going to be a churn that happens with the attendance of a church. So a third are going to be strengthened in their connection and commitment to their church. A third are going to be weakened in their connection and their commitment to their church. And a third are going to disconnect altogether, either to not return to the church 
or to reshuffle themselves into a different place. Now, again, this is an estimate. These numbers aren't hard and fast. He's just saying the church at large. I just want to say something. Here at our campus, the Medina East campus, it doesn't really break up that way exactly. But I will say we've seen some of that. We have seen some of that. Now, why do I bring that up? I don't bring that up to minimize any of the issues that were on the screen. That's not why I bring that up. I don't bring that up to call anyone out. Here's the reason I bring that up, is that causes me to ask some deeper questions. And the questions it causes me to ask is, is it possible, is it possible that for those who follow Jesus, and I know, again, not everyone here follows Jesus, but is it possible that there is a need for us to rediscover what the heart of Christianity and what the heart of the church really is? Is it, is it, is it possible that maybe there's a need for us to go back and rediscover what it is that we're supposed to be all about in the first place? Is it possible? It makes me ask questions like this. Is it possible that we've drifted from the heart of Christianity and the heart of the church? Is it possible? You know, let, let me just say this. Um, I don't necessarily think it's always a bad thing when someone goes from one church to the other, when they switch churches. I don't think that's always a bad thing. I think there's good reasons to do that sometimes. But can I just say this? I think that whatever reason would motivate someone to leave their church, to re-engage in another church, probably reveals something about what they believe the church is. I think for sure it would do that, and, and it reveals that. I think that maybe what some of this is showing us is that it's possible that maybe when we approach Christianity and when we approach religion and when we approach the church, maybe we're starting with the wrong set of questions. See, I think a lot of times when people are trying to consider what religion they want to adhere to or what church they want to belong to, I think a lot of times the question that we tend to ask is, what am I looking for? So what am I looking for in a religion? What am I looking for in a church? Does it, does, does it agree with the opinions that I, that I have? And, I, and by the way, I think that's fine, but I think that maybe the book of Acts is trying to reveal to us that there's a more important question that we need to be asking. And what is that? What does Jesus want for his church? If he's alive, if he's active, if he's continuing his work, that's the question we ought to be obsessed with. What does he want? What, what, is the, what is the message that he wants to be declared? And what isn't it? What is the mission that is to define us? And what isn't and what is the method by which we're to go about that? And what isn't it? You know what else it makes me ask? It makes me ask this question. Could it be that some, maybe even some of you, maybe even many of you, have lost confidence in Jesus' plan through his church? Maybe you never had confidence in Jesus' plan for the church. But is it possible that maybe we've lost confidence? You know, maybe for some of you, you're here today. Maybe you were part of a church a long time ago, and you find yourself here at church and it's been a while, but honestly, for you, man, you got burnt by the church. For whatever reason, you can fill it in. Or maybe you were disillusioned because of something that happened in the church. Maybe for you over the past few years, you've been disappointed in the church. Maybe you've been disappointed in this church. And here's my question. Is it possible that maybe the things that burnt you or disillusioned you or those things that disappointed you is it possible that maybe those things are not even the things that Jesus wants in his church? For those of us who are part of the Medina East Campus, I think, I think we gotta be very honest and we have to ask the question, have we drifted? 
Are there areas where we, is there areas that we, looking at Jesus, would say, man, are we, are we doing it the way you want us to? I think we gotta be honest. I think we have to come in with open hearts and open hands to questions like that. It makes me ask the question, does this indicate that there is a need to rediscover Jesus's desire for us and for his church? And I think it does. By the way, I gotta tell you, I love the word rediscover. As I've been preparing for this, I've just been thinking, man, I think that's what Acts is all about. It helps us rediscover what the living Jesus wants to do in his people and through his church. It's re- See, a lot of people say the church needs to reinvent itself. No, 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 I don't think that's the case. The church needs to rediscover herself. Who is it that Jesus intended us to be in the first place? I love the way one author put it. His name is Cavan Rowe. And he wrote this book called Christianity Surprise, which is very much about the book of Acts. And here's what he said. He said, we have developed societal amnesia, meaning that we have forgotten and we have developed ignorance of what Christianity originally was and what it still can be. Many Christians today assume that we already know what the biblical God is or, or should be doing in the world. A lot of us think we already know what the church should be or we already know what Christianity really is. Under the, under the supposition that we already know what we need to know, thus we miss, and I love this statement, we miss the revitalizing potential of rediscovery. I love that statement. So why is it that we're studying the book of Acts? I believe that the book of Acts contains within it the revitalizing potential of rediscovery. And so what is it that we're gonna rediscover in the book of Acts? Well, I think there's three things specifically that we're gonna rediscover, and this is what we're gonna see over the weeks to come. And you'll see them in our graphic. I think what we're gonna rediscover is, first off, we're gonna rediscover the message of Jesus. What is the message that Jesus gave to the early Christians that they were to proclaim to the world? What was that message? And listen, what wasn't that message? What was the message that Jesus gave to the early Christians that they proclaimed that turned first century Rome on its head? What was the message that utterly transformed people's lives? What was the message that actually caused many of the disciples to be put into prison and some of them to even be killed? What was that message? And I think we have to ask, is that the same message that we have? Is that the message that we're proclaiming? The second thing we're talking about is the mission. What is the mission that Jesus is on on this earth? And what isn't that mission? And I think, again, that's gonna add a lot of clarity for us as well. And then lastly, we're gonna talk about the method. What is the method in which Jesus wants to continue his work here on this earth? We're gonna gain clarity in these three different areas. Let me tell you how we're gonna approach it. We're actually gonna do it in three different series, okay? So in September and October, We're gonna spend about five weeks talking about the message. And we're gonna look through the book of Acts. We're gonna look at different passages and we're gonna talk about what was that message? What was the core of the message that the early Christians proclaimed? And then we're gonna ask the question, how does that instruct us? And is that the message that we're proclaiming? What is it and what isn't it? And then uh, in October and November, we're gonna talk about the mission. And we're gonna gain clarity on that and look through uh, the book of Acts. And then in December, we're gonna do Christmas stuff. So we're gonna hit pause on Acts for a little while and we're gonna prepare our hearts for Christmas. We're gonna have a chance to celebrate that together. And then in January, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the method. And that's where we're gonna get very practical about what does it look like for us today to live out Jesus's plan here and now. Uh, Let me just say this last thing. Here's what I believe. I believe that when a group of people rediscover these things, when a group of people rediscover the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus and the method of Jesus, I believe that that becomes a very dynamic force. And I believe that that becomes a recipe for revival. 
and it has throughout history. And so I'm excited to see where God is gonna take us if we're able to go through this series with open hands. So I'm asking the band to come up, and as they do, I actually just wanna end our time by giving you some very practical ways to engage this series, okay? And so um, I, I, I think our team has done an awesome job of creating ways to engage, and there's three specific things I wanna ask you to do to engage in this series. I just wanna let you know that this sermon series is just like anything else in life, that you will get out of it what you put into it, and there's different ways that we wanna ask you to kinda engage. So here's the first one, okay? This week, week one, I wanna encourage you to read the book of Acts, to read the whole book of Acts. I wanna encourage you this week, all right? In fact, I don't just wanna encourage you. Here we go, you ready? I wanna dare you to read the book of Acts. Now, some of you are just like, nope, not gonna do that, no way. And, and maybe for you, you're like looking at your Bible right now and you're like, oh, I could read the book of, oh my gosh, this thing is so long. And it, I'll just tell you, it is, it's long, it's long. Before you talk yourself out of it, let, let me just say this. How long is it gonna take you to read the book of Acts? I'll tell you, I think it'll probably take you about two and a half hours. And so I tried to time it and say, if I was to read this slowly, how long would it take? About two and a half hours, this would it take. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. So you're like, I'm a busy person. I don't know if I have two and a half hours this week. And I get that. But here's what I want you to do. Before you just write it off, I want you to think about this. Is there anything you might be spending two and a half hours on this week that you're thinking about that maybe could be better spent reading the book of Acts? Is it possible? Maybe there's some movies you were gonna watch some sequels, you were gonna, maybe an inquil, I don't know, you know? <laughs> maybe there's a hobby, maybe a golf game. Maybe there's a, a football game. Not the, not the Browns, but another one, <laughs> right? And is it pot? I think, I think maybe so. I think maybe so. I'm gonna encourage you to do that. Here's the second thing. Uh, weekends. I wanna ask you to engage in the Act series. And, uh, you know, this is one of those series, I'll be honest with you, I think that if you just pop in and out, it's just not gonna make a lot of sense. I think it'll make more sense if you're able to stick with it and kind of stay with the whole series. I wanna encourage you to prioritize that. Some of you are in and out of town. Some of you live far away. We have live stream. A lot of you are on live stream right now. Uh, you can watch the service live on live stream or catch it during the week to catch up. I would encourage you to do that. And then here's the last one. Uh, we wanna encourage you weekly to read through the book of Acts. So we've actually developed a reading plan. So this week, we're gonna ask you to read the whole book of Acts. But then in weeks to come, it's just like a chapter or so at a time. And we're gonna chronologically go through the book of Acts together. You guys, there's an awesome, uh, on our website, there's an awesome resource page. And if you go to our website, uh, which is medinaeast.gracechurches.org, you can go on there, click on Acts. There's all these resources. Our team has done an awesome job. Um, there's a reading plan that you can download that and get that. I believe there's hard copies that are also at the Welcome Center. Um, there's suggested questions. We're actually encouraging you not to read it alone. You can read it alone, but you don't have to. And we'd love it if maybe you got some of those ESV study uh, journals uh, that has the Bible on it. Maybe go through some of those questions with someone that you came with or someone in your life group. Um, we have theme videos, resources on the background, theme features, study aids. You guys, I, I, th I hope that what you see is we just wanna do everything we can to resource you to experience the power that is in God's word through the book of Acts. So here's my hope. My hope is that if we come into the series with open hearts, with open minds, with open hands, with open Bibles, that maybe the resurrected Jesus will take us where he wants us to go. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I wanna say thank you so much for your word. Thank you for preserving the book of Acts for us. 
so that we could know you and that we could follow you. And so Jesus, I do pray for everyone in this room, for those of us who follow you, I pray that you would help us to really have a heart that desires more to follow you than anybody else or anything else. For those who, who maybe are investigating you, I pray that maybe that you would even use this series to reveal yourself to them, to draw them to yourself. And so, Father, I pray that as we have a moment to worship and sing, even here together, that the words that we sing, uh, that they wouldn't just be like, you know, stale, cold lyrics to a song, but they would be the prayers of our heart, that they would be the proclamation of our lips of what we believe to be about you is true. So I'm gonna pray these things and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.